We hope you enjoy this message and that it encourages and inspires you. For more information, head to lifepointwithane.org.au. It's uh, great to be here this morning. Thanks for the invite, Phil, and for the church. I do feel very at home here. Um, I was preaching in my son's church uh, a couple of weeks ago, which is also called LifePoint, without the E. And uh, he, uh, I preached morning and night. I'm preaching actually tonight as well. And uh, in the night service, he stood up and introduced me. Oh, this is my dad. He's coming to preach. He's the oldest person that's ever preached at night in our church. <laughs> <laughs> he did say some nice things too, so I forgave him for that. Um, I want to talk about prayer this morning, uh, prayer and faith. Uh, we've, uh, for the prayer week, I don't know how many people here did the devotions, but I wrote some devotions. Uh, and so I thought I'd just pick one of those devotions. So if, it, if you did the devotions and this morning's sermon feels a little bit familiar to you, it is familiar, right? Because you would have read about it, but I want to expand it further. I thought I'll pick the most difficult passage that I wrote devotions for and explore that uh, this morning. Our, our son Alex, our middle boy, was uh, very shy growing up. If, he, if someone spoke to him, when he was a toddler, if someone spoke to him that he didn't know, he'd just collapse in a heap on the ground. Uh, in primary school, uh, he got a number of awards on assembly, and they'd call out the name Alex Sweetman, and he would put his hand, head in his hands, and, ref- and the kids next door would say, that's you, you've got to go forward. No, he, he, would, he couldn't go forward. Uh, in high school, he was, he was about year 11 before he was game to go and buy anything from touch shop. So he was an incredibly shy uh, boy. Uh, it's hard to believe that now. I mean, he's preaching actually this morning at Bracken Ridge. He's so outgoing and all the rest. But growing up, he was, he was very shy. So when he got a part in the high school musical that they were doing, I was very nervous because I thought... How on earth is Alex ever going to throw himself into an acting role when he's naturally uh, so shy? So I went along to the musical and I'm sort of thinking, oh, I wonder how this is going to go. And, and then Alex walked on stage and this huge booming voice came out and I thought, is that my boy? Like it was so surprising to me. I'd never seen this before in him. This outgoing, he threw himself into the role. He's very musical like his mom, you know, so singing away. And uh, I thought, wow, I'd never seen that uh, in Alex before. People are like that sometimes, don't they? You know, you, you sort of peg them, you know what they're like, and then they completely surprise you. Often it's in a good way, like Alex, you know, did for me. Someone that uh, uh, you think is a bit stingy or a bit selfish, and then suddenly did they do this incredibly generous act, and you think, think where did that come from? Or someone that you feel, feel doesn't like you or doesn't respect you, and then they come and say some beautiful things to you, and you think, wow. Sometimes the surprise is in a negative way. Uh, someone says something or does something that seems to you to be out of character. Uh, they're very gentle, lovely people, and then suddenly they explode in anger, and you think, where did that come from? Uh, last time I was here, I spoke about some of the, the leaders in the worldwide church that had acted what I thought was out of character. Uh, they had acted, and that, of course, is, is very, very uh, disturbing for those of us that follow. 
And so people uh, surprise us, sometimes good ways, sometimes bad ways. But you would think of the someone that will never surprise you. No, someone who would never act out of character would be Jesus, wouldn't it? You know what I mean? Like, like we know what Jesus was like. Uh, he would always act the same because uh, you can trust him. You can believe who, who he is. You can understand what Jesus is like. Like if you had to think for a moment about an adjective that you think would describe Jesus from what you know of his life on earth and what you know of his ministry now, like what would, what would be some of those adjectives that you would use? I'm sure things like generous, loving, caring, forgiving, they're the sorts of things that come to mind when we, when we talk about Jesus. He's not gonna act out of character at all. Except look at this passage. Let's have a look at this passage. Matthew 15, 21 to 28. See if this is, surprises you a little bit. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus didn't answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. That's not quite what you expect of Jesus, is it? <laughs> Saying things like that. That doesn't sound like the Jesus we know. Uh, and so we need to explore this passage a little bit more deeply to find out what on earth is going on here. Well, Jesus was on retreat. He'd spent a lot of time in ministry in, in Galilee uh, and where he grew up, uh, where he had lots of connections and networks. And and he'd had very, very effective and successful ministry. Big crowds had gathered. Uh, he'd taught them. He'd done miracles. And uh, lots of opportunities for people to see and to hear about God and his kingdom. And there was plenty of cause for celebration. Uh, but the tide was turning. John the Baptist had been uh, killed by Herod. Uh, the religious leaders were becoming more difficult, more antagonistic. Uh, towards Jesus. And so it was, the ministry was getting tougher and tougher and tougher uh, for Jesus. And so Jesus knew that he'd finished, just about finished his ministry in the Galilee region. And, uh, and he was preparing for one final push. He was going to head through down to Judea and then finally to Jerusalem. And there he was going to be crucified. And he knew that. And so after this, all this ministry in Galilee and all the things that God had done and not just the difficulty, but, but the extra pressure, the stress that it's taken out of Jesus because we know spiritually every time he did a miracle, it took something out of him spiritually. Uh, Jesus decides it's time to have a bit of a retreat time. So he gets his mates and they go on a kind of a beach holiday. Uh, they go to, they head northwest to the coast. Is there a, there's the map there. You can see Tyre right at the top there. So uh, they've headed out of, out of the country, really. Uh, 
It's no longer under Herod's jurisdiction. It's a, it's a completely different country. So it'd be like us going for a holiday at Fiji or New Zealand or PNG or Tasmania. No, wait a minute, Tasmania. I think it's on the map now, isn't it? So it's all right. But, uh, uh, so they went overseas, uh, in a sense, not overseas literally, but they went uh, outside the country to a place where they were not known and Jesus was not known uh, at all. Getting away from the crowds and all the antagonism and the pressure and the demands, just Jesus and his mates. <laughs> um, perhaps it was partly to get out of Herod's territory and Herod's control. Uh, maybe that was becoming dangerous. Uh, maybe Jesus was just tired and he knew he had this big, uh, push coming up uh, in ministry and then in his death. And so he just wants some time to retreat and, and relax. And Because uh, Jesus was a person just as well as being God and he needed that refreshment time. Quite a few pastors we're finding in Queensland at the moment, and I'm sure right throughout the world, are, are struggling at the moment with uh, symptoms of burnout because of, mainly because of the COVID and all the changes and all the stresses and everything like that. And and now they're, they're finding it difficult and some have had to take some time out. Uh, most pastors at one stage in their ministry have to take a little bit of time out to rest and recuperate and that's exactly what Jesus is doing here. Maybe he's on stress leave or maybe he's just recharging his batteries. When you're retired like me, um, holidays don't mean much, all that much because you know, you're on holidays all the time. But, but I remember when uh, I was working full-time and, and holiday, I mean, I love what I did. You know, all my ministries I really, really love, but I look forward to holidays, <laughs> like just to have a break, just to recuperate, just a bit of time, rest with family, fun, all of those things, you know. Uh, holidays meant a huge amount to me, uh, as they do to many people here. I recognise that. And so here was Jesus on holidays, having a, a break, from everything before he went forward uh, in his ministry to his death. But a woman recognised him and she wanted help. Uh, I recently was on a holiday you know, to Tasmania with, with my son, uh, my youngest son, Zach, and we just travelled around Tasmania together for a couple of weeks and it was great, great fun. <laughs> no one knows you there, we're just getting around. But I was on, the, on their second day, uh, we went one on a small tour, coach tour and then ferry tour to Mariah Island, which is not far away from Hobart. And uh, it was a small mini bus. They picked us up in Hobart and drove us off. And there were about 10 people on the bus and Zach like sitting right in the back seat. So I go to sit in the back seat. So I wasn't really looking around very much. And I was just getting off the bus ready to go to the ferry. And this voice from behind me said, John Sweetman. And for a moment, my heart sank. Do you know what I mean? I thought, <laughs> Oh no, someone's recognised me here. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> uh, now it turned out that there was a lady that had been on our board at Malian College, a very brilliant lady and a wonderful lady who a couple of years ago uh, lost her husband and uh, uh, she was touring by herself. And so it was a wonderful opportunity to catch up with her because I hadn't seen her for quite some time. And, uh, so that was a wonderful opportunity. But just for that moment, I thought, oh no, who is this going to be? And so here's Jesus in this kind of situation. 
He's discovered, while he's on retreat with his mates, he's discovered by a lady who recognises him. But this is not some old friend that, that uh, finds him. Uh, this is a lady that is causing quite a scene. Uh, she's crying out. Uh, that's what it says. There was a lady came crying out. And I, we presume that that's loud. Do you know what I mean? Yelling out to Jesus. In fact, she's doing this so much and so loud that disciples, and Jesus doesn't say anything, just keeps on going. Finally, the disciples come, you've got to get rid of this lady. Like, like she is really, really annoying us. It's very frustrating for us. We're supposed to be on this retreat break and here is this woman all the time yelling out to us. It's interesting that Mark calls her a Canaanite woman. This is verse 22. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came out to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on him. Now the fact is there weren't any Canaanites. Now we know about the Canaanites from the Old Testament they were the ones that had lived in the land before the Israelites took the land and then they lived with the Israelites. But by this time, they disappeared completely. This was a, a Syrophoenician woman. <laughs> uh, but Mark uh, calls her, or Matthew calls her, a Canaanite woman. Like going back to the old days. This was 100 years before, you know. And what, Mark, what Matthew's really doing here is he's, he's telling us that, that this is no friend, uh, that this lady has... Her stock, her ancestors were Canaanites. That's where she came from. Uh, and Canaanites were the enemies of the, of the Jewish people. But she had a great need. Her daughter was suffering dreadfully because she was dominated by demons. And uh, we know that that meant she had physical problems. She had emotional and relational problems. She had spiritual problems. And she was just a tormented little girl and this mum was just distraught about her daughter and when she recognised Jesus she just thought this is my opportunity you know I really need this is the chance to get a heal Jesus can do this whether, it's, whether he's on holidays or not she didn't care like she wanted her daughter healed <laughs> but this was, there was a problem it was not just that Jesus was on a break that this was actually bad timing for her. You see, Jesus says this. He says, verse 24, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. So Jesus was following God's program for him. Uh, his program, his, what his role was, was to reach out to the Israelites, to the Jewish people. Uh, and then the Jewish people, as they became followers of Jesus, would eventually reach out to the whole world. And, uh, and so Jesus did that, and he was following this program carefully. His role was to minister to the Jewish people. As far as we know, this is the only time he was outside, apart from when, he's, when he was a kid, outside the, the territory where the Jews lived. Uh, he went through Samaria to get to various places, but uh, Jesus' ministry was to the Jews. That was very, very clear. That was his call. Uh, and, and so this was, and Jesus knew that. And, and so this was bad timing for this lady. Like, like eventually, the gospel, the, the, the early church was going to reach her, the Gentile, the Gentile, and, and she would have wonderful opportunities. So it wasn't that she was going to miss out. It was just, this was too early. 
This was not part of what God was trying to do at this time. It was the Jewish people first and then through them the rest of the world. God had great plans for the Gentile world. It just wasn't right at this moment. And Jesus knew that. I got a call from a pastor earlier this year uh, who said uh, I'd was crossed the um, Ipswich way who said uh, John I'm thinking of doing a series during the week on a uh, Bible study series on Revelation partly because of some of the stuff that was going around with COVID and all the rest and uh, he said uh, would you be able to come across and lead us in that Bible study series on Revelation uh, on Wednesday nights for six weeks and uh, I thought about that and uh, and I would love to do that. Do you know what I mean? I love Revelation. It would be great to get into it. Uh, but it just, it just wasn't possible for me like, to travel across there with all the other stuff that I'm doing. I just, I just couldn't do it. And so uh, I said, I'd love to do it, but I can't do it. I'm sorry. And he was disappointed, as you can understand. You know, he would have loved me to be able to, to, to do that. And, and Jesus is going to disappoint this lady. This is not the right time. You're going to have your opportunity and you're going to see the power of God at work, but, but this is not the time. Uh, partly holidays, but more than that, it's, this is not God's timing. This is not God's plan. This is not God's program uh, for the moment. But this Canaanite uh, mother was in no mood for waiting. She had a very sick little girl and uh, she wanted Jesus to help her urgently. So she used every tool at her disposal to try and get Jesus to do this healing. Let's have a look at some of the things that she did, all right? So uh, here's this lady, desperate. Here's what she does. The first thing is she bombards Jesus. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. Um, the disciples say, send her away for she keeps crying out after us. <laughs> so she absolutely bombards Jesus, just keeps on going loud, doesn't care. I mean, it's incredibly embarrassing. Imagine walking down the main street and yelling out after people as, as you go. Like, but, but she's going to make sure that Jesus hears. He doesn't say anything, tells us that. He says nothing, but she just keeps going. Please, Jesus, please, I know you can help. The second thing that we notice is she uses an interesting term. In verse 22, how does she address Jesus? Crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David. What does she mean by that? Well, son of David was the favourite Jewish term for the Messiah that was going to come, that God was going to send to deliver the Jewish nation. David had been the most outstanding king that they'd had in the past spiritually and, uh, and his, his power and his rule and his advances and his warfare and all the rest. He'd been outstanding king. And, uh, and so the new Messiah was often called the son of David. <laughs> the son of David's going to come. He's going to do what David did back then, except even better because he's coming directly from God. And so this lady takes this Jewish term for the Messiah and says, and uses it in a cry out to Jesus, you're son of David. You're the Messiah. Now, this is really interesting because the Jewish leaders have rejected Jesus as the Messiah. They didn't even recognise who he was. But this pagan lady, this Canaanite lady, says, I know who you are. You're the Messiah. 
And so she honours Jesus uh, by using that term. We don't know how she knew that, but there is no doubt she understood what she was saying. She was crying out to the Messiah who'd been sent by God that he might bring healing. Uh, The next thing we find is she then humbles herself uh, before Jesus. Uh, The woman came and knelt before him. In contrast with the loud, demanding cries, now she is kneeling before him, pleading with him, looking up into his eyes and, uh, and respecting him and saying, Jesus, this is my need. Uh, She pleaded with Jesus, Lord, help me, she said, help me. Jesus tried to parry her by saying, yeah, well, I could, but this is not the right time. This is not it. It will come for you. Don't worry, but this is not the right time. I have been sent to the Jewish nation. This is God's call on my life, not to the Gentiles. But she wouldn't be put off. She, her heart cry, she doesn't say this, but this is what I say. Make me the exception, Jesus. <laughs> Make me the exception. So Jesus had one last go at putting her off. And there's this awful statement that seems so unlike Jesus. But let's just look at it again. He replied, verse 26, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Now, the term dogs was a term that the Jews often used of Gentiles, you know. So what Jesus is really saying here is, is um, it's not right for me to take my calling, my calling to the Jewish people, and at this stage to give this to the Gentiles. That's not what God wants me uh, to do. And so she reminded Jesus, how did you come back from that? Like, what on earth is going on there? It's interesting, um, I don't know how Jesus said this, right? So I'm guessing a little bit here. But I think, because he's just about to tell her she's got an incredible faith, right? So when Jesus is, you've got to get what Jesus is seeing here, right? The disciples are seeing this woman just trying to make demands all the time. Jesus is seeing something completely different. He's seeing a woman with incredible faith. So you've got to know that, right? That's, what, that's what's happening here. So how does Jesus say this to the, to the lady? Well, I think it's a little bit like grandparents sometimes when you kind of discipline your grandchildren. You know, like, like they've stolen from your lolly jar, which they do all the time for me, all right? So they've stolen something from your lolly jar. You know, say, Joey, you must not do that. That's very naughty. And inside you're saying, oh, isn't he cute? You know, like, <laughs> imagine doing that. <laughs> I couldn't care in the least, <laughs> you know. But, but on the surface, you're saying something different. And I kind of see this is what's happening. Jesus is saying, wow, look at the faith of this lady. Oh, this is incredible. I'll see if I can put her off. <laughs> and, uh, and so he says these statements. And what does she respond? She debates with Jesus. She says, yes, it is, Lord. It's, it's, right, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. In other words, yeah, that's true, but, but there's still something left over for us Gentiles. And Jesus, I want that now. I don't want to wait. I want it now. You can imagine the uh, disciples watching because they don't know what's going on in Jesus at this time. So they're watching this loud, difficult woman come and... 
trying to get Jesus to heal her, her daughter. And, they're, and uh, they're listening to what Jesus is saying and they're wondering how this is going to turn out. Uh, what's going to happen here? What would Jesus do? And then makes, Jesus makes this incredible declaration. He didn't see this pagan woman as invasive or dominating or argumentative or difficult. It wasn't a problem at all for him. Like, he was just overwhelmed, overwhelmed by her faith. Verse 28, he says, Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. And her daughter was immediately healed. It was great faith because it remained tenacious in the middle of difficulty after difficulty after difficulty. What has she gone through? Well, firstly, there's the incredible suffering of a daughter that has no solutions. And uh, for anyone, any parent, that's terrible, particularly for a mum, just to watch a daughter go through, through all of this. Uh, and then there was the silence of Jesus. So she's crying out, crying out. Jesus says, nothing. No response, nothing. He just keeps on going. And then there's the obvious annoyance of the disciples. You know, like they're frustrated by it. Shut up, lady. You know, I can imagine them saying that, going to Jesus. Come on, Jesus, send her away, please. Then there's the reluctance of Jesus, the seemingly reluctance anyway, of Jesus to step outside his mission. This is my mission, he says. This is my calling at the moment. You'll have to wait. And then finally, there's the harsh response of Jesus to her, her desperate plea. Great faith perseveres until Jesus responds. Sometimes God says no. Jesus faced that himself. His plea just before the cross was, Lord, if it's at all possible, please let this cup pass from me. He says, this is too hard for me. And God's response was, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, Paul faced the same thing. It says in uh, 2 Corinthians 12, uh, he had some thorn in the flesh, some physical, emotional, we're not sure what sort of problem, but it was really limited in his ministry, making it very difficult to do what God had called him to do. And three times he said, God, please, will you take it away? And, and God said, no, no, that's actually good for you, this. Your suffering is actually going to empower your ministry. So sometimes God says no, and we recognise that. And when God says no, we say, well, okay, we trust God. That's, that's up to you. But till he says no, we hold on. We continue to believe. We continue to push. We don't give up. This is what great faith is. It doesn't give up. It keeps on going. Great faith perseveres. Let's just go back over the story very quickly and just say, what does great faith look like? So Jesus says to this lady, you have great faith. What does that actually look like? What did Jesus, this lady do that Jesus said, wow, this is great faith? Well, firstly, because this might be some help to us, firstly, she bombarded Jesus and he calls that great faith. You know, <laughs> kept on going, Jesus, please, please, please. I'm asking you to do this. Keep on going, keep on saying Often we think when, that, when it comes to prayer like that, that we're being very selfish or whatever it might be. And actually Jesus sees that as great faith. Then she honours Jesus. So we come to him and we honour him. We say, Lord, I know who you are. I know what you can do. You are, she said, you are the Messiah. You know, we say you are. 
as we sang this morning, you are Lord of everything. You have incredible power and authority. Humbling ourselves before Jesus, she came and humbled herself. She knelt before Jesus, recognizing he is Lord, that we're under his authority. Uh, then pleading with Jesus from her heart, so please, Jesus, please may you do this. Crying out to you, I know you have the power. Please, will you hear my prayer and answer it? And then reminding Jesus, so she debated with Jesus, <laughs> reminding Jesus of his promises. But you said this, Lord, even when it doesn't look like anything's happening. But Lord, I think you said this. I'm just reminding you about this. I'm, I'm holding on to this, uh, Lord Jesus. Why, I wonder why uh, Matthew included this story in, in the Gospels. Like it had very little to do with the mission of Jesus because we know the mission of Jesus was to the Jews. It maybe said something that God was still interested in the Gentiles as we would see later in the, in the book of Acts as the gospel goes out to the Gentiles as well as the Jews. It maybe has a little bit to do with that, but I can imagine when Matthew's putting this down in the story, it's not true, but I can imagine Jesus saying, oh, don't put that story in there. That doesn't reflect too well on me. Do you know what I mean? Why would Matthew put a story like this in? Because Matthew, part of what he's trying to do in his book is to explain what great faith is, what, what great faith is. And the fact is that great faith is tenacious faith. Matthew talks about little faith. If you've done the devotions, you'll see this. He talks about little faith. Oh, uh, and it's not the size of the faith that makes it little because he says, you've had faith as a mustard seed and you can move mountains. You know? So it's not the size of the faith. It's the duration of the faith that makes it little. So in other words, it's big for a while and then it drops. Then it maybe goes up again and then it drops. Now that's a bit normal cycle for us, but too much of that <laughs> means little faith because great faith is tenacious faith. We hold on. Many of you uh, at the moment are holding on for things. We've already prayed for stuff this morning. You're holding on for things. Now, some of you are like this lady. You're incredibly tenacious. It's interesting, you know, I'm a fairly tenacious person. Uh, one of my strengths in part of what I contribute to a team is tenacity. That I like to get things finished, get the jobs done. You know, that's, I'm good right to the end. Other people can, uh, wonderful gifts in other areas, but they're not tenacious, but I'm tenacious. But in prayer, I'm I'm not quite as tenacious. I do have some things that I, there's four big things, my big hairy audacious goals that I continue to pray for. <laughs> and I have a prayer list every day and all the rest, you know what I mean? But there's four things that I'm focusing on. But I find myself not as tenacious in prayer as I perhaps am in other areas of my life. And I wondered why that is. Maybe you're in the same boat. Why, why is that, that we're not quite so tenacious when it comes to prayer? Maybe... Uh, Maybe we're not desperate enough. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, if God does this, this this would be really good, but hey, things will be all right in the end anyway. So, uh, you know, it'll be okay. I'm praying for revival and that'd be lovely to see, but hey, if it doesn't matter, life will go on, it'll be all right. You know, so we, we're actually not desperate. Uh, maybe we're not expected enough. Maybe we haven't seen enough of what Jesus can actually do. Maybe we've been disappointed by some things and so we're not expecting. We don't really believe that this is actually going to happen. Maybe we're just too polite. 
Like the thing about this lady is she was not polite. And maybe we're just too nice. Do you know what I mean? Oh, well, I won't, don't want to bother God with that. You know, it's, uh, I've, I've talked to him a couple of times about it. That, that's probably enough. It's really up to him. You know, I I, you know, and we're just actually too nice. We're too polite. We're not in there like this lady was saying, Jesus, this is what we want to see. Maybe we're not patient enough. You know, we pray for it for a, a whole three days, you know, and nothing happens. So, well, you know, I'll move on to the next thing kind of thing. <laughs> you know. This story says, don't cave, come on. Have great faith. And some of us are like this woman. We have great faith like that. We continue to believe, we continue to pursue God. Uh, we continue to bombard him at times. We continue to kneel before him. We tend to plead Jesus. We, can, we continue to believe what he can do, who he is and what he can do. And we have great faith. And I just want you to, to know that, that Jesus is saying this morning, this is a wonderful thing, a wonderful, wonderful thing. Don't be put off. Don't think that you're being difficult. Don't think that you're trying to push God around, that this is actually a wonderful thing. This is great faith continuing to hold on. Some of us have little faith, <laughs> not because of its, its size, but little faith because it kind of ebbs and flows, our faith and our belief and our prayer. And Jesus is saying, come on, ramp it up. <laughs> you wait to see what I can do as a result of prayer, consistent prayer. Maybe, and I don't want to make this as a theological statement here, but maybe, maybe you can actually push the program of God forward a bit like this lady did. I've only come for the Jews, not the Gentiles. But Jesus, just make this an exception. <laughs> and maybe God will do something that was going to be planned to years and time. And because of your persistent prayer, it might actually push God's program forward and say, I'm going to do this. <laughs> I'm going to do this. Maybe you have no faith at all. Either you're a Christian, but you don't really expect God to do anything in your life. Or maybe you're not yet a Christian and you don't know what it is to have a relationship with Jesus. And, and that Jesus is someone who cares for you and loves you. He's not just some theoretical uh, uh, person out there or someone who lived 2,000 years ago, that He actually loves you intensely. <laughs> and, uh, and He wants a relationship with you that involves faith and trust and prayer and asking. <laughs> And you can have that this morning. You can come to Jesus and, and have faith in Him and, and become His child or trust Him for what He's going to do in the future. Great faith is faith that perseveres, that holds on, that continues to believe, that continues to ask till God answers. I just need to finish with a really good story. Do you know what I mean? And I was praying for a really good story and nothing came, you know, so... So I was listening to God and God said, look, just go over the four things that you've been praying for and, and just share what might be happening in those areas. So, uh, so some of these things I've been praying for for about a year or so, others have been a lot longer than that. So I've been praying, let me just quickly say, I've been praying for revival and for 30 years or something, you know, since I was a teenager, maybe a bit longer than 30, but anyway, you know, I've been praying for revival for a long time and, uh, and God hasn't answered that yet. We've seen little touches of it, I've seen what God can do, but not the sort of revival that has uh, real life. Do you know what I mean? The real life flows to us where we have the life to the full that God wants for us, a holiness, a desire for what God wants and supernatural power. And haven't seen that yet, you know, so I keep praying for that. 
I've been praying for a closeness to God. I've been doing this for a couple of years, just a, a, a warmer relationship with God, a softness in my own life. I love God. I spend time with Him. I enjoy Him, all those things. But just a, just a closer walk, a closeness, and it's actually been coming. <laughs> the last month or so, uh, just praying and just sensing God's presence, and it's been good. So God's answering that one. Uh, I've been praying for something in our family that I can't share, but an issue that's in our family, and the answer's not there yet, but there's some moves in the direction, and uh, I sense that God's at work doing those things. And and the last thing I've been praying for is an end to COVID and and a new momentum for our churches, and and I can see bits of that around the place. (laughs) God is is at work. And, uh, and so this is what we do. We hold on, we believe, we pray, we expect, we have great faith and we wait for God to do what He wants us to do. And if that's what you're doing, that's fantastic. God says, you've got great faith and that's a good thing. Let me pray, hey? Lord, I thank you that this story is there in Matthew, that he did record this. And Lord Jesus, this lady with great faith, pagan lady perhaps, <laughs> uh, that's where her roots were, but oh Lord, she, she held on and uh, you saw her faith and you healed her daughter. And I thank you for this story, Lord, because you said many times, Jesus, about persistent faith. Phil's already quoted it this morning. Continue to knock and on that door, continue to believe, continue to ask, continue to seek. And you'll find. And so it's not that we're trying to put ourselves over you, Lord. You are Lord of the universe. You do what you want. But Father, there are things that we believe are of you and we're asking for this. May nothing stop them, Lord. May you hear our prayer. Our prayers of de- desperation, our bombarding you, our humbly kneeling before you, Lord, our pleading with you, Lord, that you will do these things, that you will be true to your promises, that we will see these things fulfilled, Lord. If you don't want those things, so be it, Lord. Just tell us no. But till you do that, Lord, we're going to persevere. We're committed, Lord. We believe. Increase our faith, we would pray in your name, dear Jesus. Amen.